Hey everyone, welcome to the Craft Hot Sauce Podcast. I hope you're having a, a wonderful beginning to your summer. I'm actually a little wiped out right now. I was uh, out canoeing, actually no, kayak, doing some tandem kayaking. And we, uh, me and my girlfriend just narrowly escaped a pretty scary uh, thunderstorm rolling in. So that was quite the workout. And uh, yeah, it took I had to take a little nap before doing this intro. But uh, it, it, I wanted to make sure I was well rested to do this intro properly. Because I was actually, to be honest, uh, which is, I think Stacey is going to laugh when she hears this, but I was a little intimidated going into this podcast, which I actually love when, when I get that kind of nervous excitement around talking to a, to a hot sauce legend. And and you know the name, if you know Craft Hot Sauce, it's Secret Aardvark, um, which you, you'll see is both Seattle's and Portland's hot sauce. And, and I can leave the others to debate at that, where actually I'm going to be at the, the Portland Hot Sauce Expo, so I, I can get some hot takes from some companies and folks there. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm actually even thinking about doing a, like a little meetup, uh, trying to get some folks that are out in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I, I live in the East Coast here, just outside of Boston in, uh, in Lowell, so uh, I'm looking forward to trying to, to make the most of my time and meet as many folks uh, in the hot sauce community when I'm out there, so I'm looking forward to this. Um, so Secret Aardvark, one of my favorite hot sauces, and after this podcast, it, it really Stacy and, and uh, what she's done and grown um, started from her, her late husband Scott uh, Scott Moritz who who started Secret Aardvark. Um, really special people, really special company. Um, what they do means a lot to the community and, and, and folks all across the world. Um, and, and so we also um, have a special music guest with Scotland Barr and the Slow Drags uh, with, with Stacy's late husband, Scott, uh, as the lead singer. So um, you're going to hear all about Stacy uh, and, and the founding story of Secret Aardvark and, and what they're doing, what their plans. And, and, and I really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, so I hope you enjoy this as well. And I do recommend to check out the Craft Hot Sauce box because we're going to be having Secret Aardvark hot sauce in this killer special, um, which is three hot sauces for a very reasonable price of about $25, uh, including shipping. So check that out. And um, I I really love doing these podcasts and and I hope you enjoy them. And if you do enjoy them, we would really appreciate you taking about, it takes longer than you think uh, to give a rating and and uh, subscribe. Actually, well, you probably subscribe, but to give a rating, we really appreciate it in a review. Um, This is kind of new, still new for me for podcasting. I've done about 25 episodes and, and I feel like I've gotten better, but um, I appreciate any feedback and, and looking forward to continue doing more of these. So enough of me right now. Here is A Thousand Roads by Scotland Bar and the Slow Drags. It's not summer anymore The way your grandma's tea sets shattered 
Stacy, welcome to the, the Craft Hot Sauce podcast. I, I'm I'm so honored to have you on and, and uh, learn more about Secret Art Bar. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I, I know you've been a follower of CraftHotSauce.com and, and we've exchanged some emails, but we finally got you, you on and partly uh, my busy schedule, partly and definitely uh, you have a busy schedule running kind of the entrepreneurial's life. And I think since we've or talking about scheduling something in. You've had trade shows in Canada. Uh, you've had the, the trades of West. You've been in Vegas. And one that I didn't quite expect that sounds really cool was Tree Fort. How was how how Tree Fort? Yeah, slinging sauce requires a lot of travel, you know, and it's, it's good because I happen to like to travel. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, this is actually, this was year four for us at Tree Fort. We started with four or five. We started with them a long time ago. You know, um, supporting music and musicians is a part of our, our I, I hate to say, company mission, vision, and value. It's not, that's not, I wouldn't put that there, but it's a part of who we are. And so Tree Fort is this great festival in Boise where you really get to see a, a, a wide range of musicians at both the main stage and then some outdoor stages and and then all the small venues and it's like Boise has invited you into their home and it's it's really great we have a great time there so and I grew up not far from there so we're Portland's hot sauce we're oftentimes called Seattle's hot sauce and I want to be Boise's hot sauce so Awesome. <laughs> I, I've never been to Boise but I yeah and, and, and you said that it's not like the focus of your mission, but it, it is a part of who, who you are. And I think it's a part of who we are as well. That I, so I, it sounds like you, you do manage to have a little bit of fun and, and, and <laughs> see good music during while you're working hard, I'd imagine as well. Yeah, we actually sold out. And the first thing we did was slide the booth closed and took off to see several bands. So that's, that was a lucky part of the weekend for us. Awesome. Awesome. I think there's so many, uh, when, when you kind of think about some of the, the craft hot sauce lovers and we're going to get into your cult following in a moment and, and, and those types of people, but I, I really do think that they're uh, the type that would be uh, kind of at that festival as well. Yeah. People who love music, I think love hot sauce. So it's perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Stacey, I, I know like Today you you're busy moving, going to trade shows, slaying hot sauce, as you you said. But I, I really do want to take this back a little bit to to learn more about the evolution of Secret Aardvark. Yeah. And from my understanding, it, it started in Portland, Oregon, um, where it's very so much so today still a presence uh in, in portland in, in the the area surrounding that when when did you arrive to portland you mentioned you kind of grew up in the area of, uh, in and around boise idaho when did you move to portland well i didn't move here until about uh, 94 95 okay Great. and my my uh scott my late husband uh, who's, who he and I started this business together. I think he was moved here probably about the same time, 94, 95. It might've been a couple of years earlier. Okay. You mentioned Scott started the, the business and it sounded like he also had kind of a tamale cart turned restaurant. Yeah. He came to Portland uh, and ended up going to culinary school here. Started uh, Salvador Molly's tamales. He had a tamale cart. 
Um, let's see, he also had a catering company called Rockberry Pie Company that made pies. Uh, the tamale cart became Salvador Molly's restaurant, uh, which is still running here in Portland. Um, uh, it was called, the, the premise behind that restaurant was pirate cooking. So that kind of gives you an idea. It was eclectic and world flavors and, uh, you know, it wasn't um, just standard food. It was interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and he sold out in 2002 of Salvador Mali's. Was that transition a lot of time, was it due to the hot sauce growth and opportunity at that point? No, no he, okay. was, <laughs> he was really great at making really beautiful plates. They were like works of art and they were amazing and they were fun. He was really bad at getting out 300 plates of the same thing every night. Um, and it had really gotten to the point that it wasn't his passion anymore. I mean, he loved rest he loved the development of the recipes and the artwork of the plate. Mm. Uh, but that day-to-day -day piece of it had really, he'd been there for quite some time. It really wasn't what he wanted to do anymore. Um, he was a musician prior to opening the restaurant. And I think I really think music started to call him as well. And, you know, it just, I think he felt like he'd kind of hit as much as he could. They were doing a lot of caterings yep. um, and a restaurant. And it was, it was a little bit of a slog for him at that point. So he left in 2002. Had you met Scott at that point? I met Scott back at his restaurant back in, okay. gosh, 90 uh six seven ninety seven i think yeah okay from from what you're describing it sounded like definitely somebody that is inspired by um f flavor building something and w what kind of drove him and, and and maybe uh like obviously i think that there's a lot that's behind secret aardvark that I, I think there there is something that really stands out about you all with, with even just even the flavor of the sauces, but um, yeah. the blue aardvark, like yep. I think yep. there, there's a couple hot sauce reviews that everyone's like, yeah, I don't know why the aardvark is blue and I, I don't, but it, there's something <laughs> that I, I think is bold. I mean, I think it's, it, it helps to think back. He entered his first cooking contest at 13, Chile. Wow. Um, okay. And totally, you know, he, he came from his dad owned restaurants. His dad was an attorney as well, but owned restaurants and, and uh, he had a food background and he, you know, he, he loved cooking. He loved travel. He was an uh, adamant believer in a week or two vacation is not long enough. He, our, our first long vacation, he said to me, you need three weeks. Uh, you, meaning me personally, need two weeks just to learn to walk slow, and then the third week to really become in vacation mode. And and he's right. And and I have well, I've now traveled eight weeks to Southeast Asia, so I learned that lesson really well. <laughs> but he loved travel, and he loved food, and he loved the interest in food in other places. You know. You eat Thai food in the States, it's not the same as Thai food in Chiang Mai, right? It's going to be, it's going to be different. It's very much like if you eat, you know, a burger in uh, 
gosh, where have I had some really interesting burgers? Well, one was Costa Rica. It's not the same as it is here. At least it wasn't back in 99. It's not the same as it is in the States, right? I mean, it's just different. It's, it's influenced by the local culture and what's available. So he loved food and he loved flavors and he loved mixing those. You know, that's the thing about our habanero hot sauce. It's not Mexican. It's not Caribbean. It's kind of, it's kind of a blend of both, right? And that, I mean, I think that really epitomizes how he felt about food. Keep it interesting, yeah. make it taste really good, and and bring in some of those world flavors, you know? And, and is, do you think it was the characteristics of hot sauce in that, like, it could, it can be so wide. There are so many different types. There's hot chilies used in cooking all over the world. And, and when you experiment with sauces, there's definitely bad sauces and, and, and yeah. mistakes that I've made, <laughs> but the ideas are, and, and inspiration can be limitless. Do you think that's yeah. what kind of attracted going into hot sauces? I'm curious how that, that really started and developed. I think it was more than hot sauce. It's just really good because we do a couple marinades too that are just yeah, that's right. really great. And so I think it really was more about flavor. Heat mm -hmm. was a big piece of it because he loved heat, as do I, as obviously do you. And that was, I think, some of that was he wanted to introduce heat to people and not the traditional sense. So often, hot sauce is water, vinegar, salt, and peppers. And I think he wanted to, be able to say that's not just everything hot sauce is. It can be so much more than that and so much more interesting and so much more um, uh, uh, addition to your food instead of something that covers up your food. So he never wanted to do anything that was just super hot. I mean, he did. At the restaurant, he had this thing called Great Balls of Fire. That was super hot. But as a hot sauce, he didn't want that. He wanted something that was like, put this on your eggs make your eggs taste amazing, you know, not just burn your brains out for the morning. Yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah. It sounded like he was making some sauces at the restaurant. Was there kind of a, a definite time when there was a transition to, I'm going to start making a business or, or was it more something that I put this together? This is popular. Like everyone's asking this at, at, at the restaurant. Um, what was that? transition like he started way back when he was a kid because he grew up in southern california went to mexico all the time surfed down there and would come home and be like i'm going to make that hot sauce that i had at the taco cart and so we kind of started as a kid making different hot sauces and and trying different things out the restaurant he certainly had an opportunity and the tamale cart and everything leading up yeah. to that he had lots of opportunity to try new things um and there were sauces, certainly, at the restaurant. But I, I think that putting a menu out every single day with specials and all of that, I think focus isn't so much on putting out a hot sauce until he left. You know, And when he left, he kind of <laughs> rolled around, did a few things, started playing music again, um, was trying to figure out what he wanted to do next. I made him get a job that last to two weeks um, <laughs> and he came back and said I hate doing this I need I want to work for myself and I'm like so you've been talking sauces do that you know and he'd already been in the farmer's market and we've got in Oregon we're super lucky 
We have a huge network of farmers markets and they're quality markets. And I said, do that then, do that. And, and we'll figure it out as we go along and we'll make it work. And so we started, you know, trying to perfect the hot sauces and the other sauces. I mean, we had everything. Wadi melon barbecue sauce. Um, yeah. He did gazpacho and kimchi and sauerkraut. I mean, it was crazy, that booth. But, you know, it was a great opportunity and a great place to really get it in people's mouths and see what people were attracted to. And the habanero in that period of time, he really perfected. Um, you know, because it used to be small batch where he was doing a quart at a time, right? And now we needed to start doing five gallons at a time. And so you, that, that's a big difference. So you have to really think about your ingredients and how they're changing. You still have time to pan stem, pan puree, all your habaneros, or do you need to move to a mash or something that's more readily available? And what do you do when there's no habaneros available, right? right. And so yeah. it, it, that all began the progression of being at the farmer's market. He was, he was at one point doing seven markets. Wow. Um, yeah. And we were, I mean, he would make sauce and I would print the labels off on my inkjet printer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'd stick them on the bottles. This is after working all day. I'd stick them on the bottles. We'd load them up into boxes that he would get at cash and carry. And you might like, this was a true story. You might load 12 bottles of sauce into a tampox box because that's <laughs> when he got, he found a box. And that's what we put it in, you know, whatever he could, he could get a box. Um, and that's what we did on evenings and weekends and, or he worked a farmer's market, uh, or I worked farmer's markets and we had crews running them. And it really got to the point where he was like, <laughs> I'm good with Excel and I'm good with money. So he's like, how much am I making? And I told him, and he was like, I'm working seven days a week and I'm making that, that little. Yeah, <laughs> and I said, yeah. you are. And he's like, how do I make this much? And so I figured it out. And it was like, he needed to do twice the number of farmer's markets. And he's like, I physically can't do that. But then it really became the time to look at changing. So you're not going to retire <laughs> off that uh, at that point, which I don't think any sauce maker mm -hmm. gets into it in the first place. <laughs> but it sounded like you were all being energized. Do you, do you know any of the sort? I'm sure there's multiple sources of kind of energy and, and drive to do that. It sounded like one working for himself and, and yourself and, and, and the community of Oregon and the farmer's markets um, were, were a couple mm -hmm. of those. But what do you think were kind of some of the ultimate drivers for those tough times and when you're exhausted and you're like, shit, I just... <laughs> Just came out even for work in an 80 hour yeah. week. I think, I think for him, you, you nailed it on a couple of them. Scott was never good at working for anyone else. He was always better at working for himself. <laughs> um, the idea of clocking out before a problem was fixed was beyond him. Um, and that, and that is, I think that's really, you'll see that with a lot of entrepreneurs. They can't, they can't turn it off, you know, and, and that certainly was the way for him. The other issue for him was he was super creative and, and sauces, man, he could come up with, you know, 500 ideas for sauces. And I get this because I'm not as bad, but close. Um, but then, you know, trying to turn that into something that's marketable and that 
is going to appeal to people other than yourself, you know, it was also, was also a really interesting challenge for him because he had a complex palette and he could make something that there were a couple times he made things. And I said, I don't know, you know, what you're tasting in that, but I never want to taste that again. (laughs) But that's a complicated palette, right? And he was like trying to get somewhere with it. And, and I think that was a super big challenge for him and something that he loved doing. Yeah. And, and I, th- I think that's part of the reason why, like, uh, I, I had the opportunity, Emily on your team was able to send me some <laughs> sauces and I was like, Whoa, each one of these were, were so different and so, so unique. And I was, and, and the idea is just going, kept on going. It's like, Oh, I, I could be, like it was forcing me to try some new creative things in the kitchen, which I think was really special about Secret yeah. Arvark, which I, which I really appreciated. So you're coming with the numbers. You're not saying, <laughs> you're not putting the good message that we're, we're all set here. It was talking about kind of really doubling down. Were we all looking for some extra help during that, that time or, or, or what was, was, was there demand and opportunity? What, what was kind of, what were you all well, thinking? I mean, we were fortunate. I always had a day job and, and it was, uh, it, it paid the bill and more than paid the bills. We could live on what I made and we could allow mm-hmm. him. And that's something that most small businesses don't have that luxury. Um, so that was really great because it gave us some time. And he, I remember him saying to me one day, I need to get it on grocery store shelves. And I'm like, well, that's a whole different thing right, than what we're doing, because we had no UPC, the labels were sort of accurate, (laughs) you know, because every batch was a little different, right, and so it was pretty accurate, we didn't have a logo, there were all these things, and so I'm like, if you want to do that, then let's do that, but it's going to take us, you know, four or five months at least, probably took us closer to nine months to get ready, and it needed to go to a commercial packer, he couldn't do that in a commercial kitchen anymore where he was hand filling bottles. And and the biggest issue is consistency is when you're kettle cooking and hand filling bottles, it's hard to have every bottle be the same. And so we had to find a co-packer and that was a challenge because he was doing uh, really small, you know, there wasn't a lot of money to do big runs. So he was doing really small runs of sauce. And then we had to find grocery stores who would take it. Yeah, because it was a bottle with a blue artwork on the front. (laughs) Yeah, actually, so I I was going to bring it up at some point, but I I guess there's a good opportunity when you're talking about the the name and logo. Is there a story behind the name? So I, I typically just tell people it was my late husband's favorite animal, and that's why it's called that. There is a story. And, and uh, so he grew up in Del Mar, California uh, in the 80s. So think Yellow Mohawk and Surf PE. Okay, that was his high school days. Bunch of the kids, bunch of these boys hung out uh, in the alleyway behind Song's Deli. And there was a letter to the editor or an article in the paper, I guess, that said, how to know if your kid's in a gang. It was Delmar, California. There were no gangs. You know, it was it was <laughs> Dr. Seuss and Ricky Ricardo Jr. lived there. I mean, you know, it was, there were no gangs. So these boys who were pretty smart, but also, you know, a little bit hoodlum, rep- 
replied back and said, <laughs> we think we're a part of a gang. And they went through all of the nine ways to know your kid isn't a gang. And they listed all of those. And their gang's name was the secret aardvarks. And Scott said, I knew at that moment I'd use that name. I'd use that name in something that, that I did, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's where secret aardvarks come good. from. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that story. That, that's, that's amazing. Um, cool. So, so it sounds like you all committed or like Scott wanted to go in stores and, and it seemed like um, I read this book or actually it was, well, it's a book and, 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 and Simon Sinek is it's, it starts mm -hmm. with why. And, and I think that is such a entrepreneurial trait and that many people have is, is I don't want to assume here, but it sounds like Scott was kind of the why of kind of the, the creative and uh, the creativity, um, the uniqueness, the vision, and, and he kind of relied on you for the, the how, and, <laughs> and, and you were kind of the ones, well, like, this is going to take some time. It's not just as simple as this it's challenging like you go through so many phases as a small business owner especially ones that have scaled to your size and successes so when you all made the the decision to go into stores what were some of kind of the, the key decisions that you all had to to kind of make and and i'd imagine that there were some changes and probably some growing pains as well he had to find he had to find a co-packer he had to, we needed a real live logo, right? We needed uh, uh, UPC uh, codes. And now there's places to help you. Here in Oregon, there's the Innovation Center. Back then there wasn't anything. So we were like figuring this out on our own. How do we get a UPC code? What do you have to do to go through that process? What should be on your labels? What font size should be on your labels? You know, and just all of that. And it was, it was, because this would have been, gosh, 2005 and we were really struggling with trying to figure all those pieces out you know what does it mean to find a co-packer that can do hot fill and acidified because we're a hot fill and acidified product you know and how do we find somebody who can do that it was it was um it was a really long process we thought four or five months i'm pretty sure it took us most of a year to get all of that done um and then sourcing ingredients because he'd been buying all yeah. of these ingredients and making the product, you know, fire roasting the tomatoes, uh, making the habanero mash. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, uh, habanero <laughs> days were fun here because I'd come home from work and the whole house would smell like habaneros, you know. Um, but that's wow. what he did. Careful what you touch. <laughs> yeah. and, and so then we had to find sources, you know, where can we get that? And how can we get enough? Or a small enough batch depending on what we were looking for. So it was a lot of, it was a lot of that. And it, and it was a real period of us trying to figure everything out, but we did, you know, we found a co-packer, we found, we got ingredients, we got the bottle, we got it all done and we started, but we didn't, still didn't pay for boxes. <laughs> <laughs> still didn't pay for boxes. He'd still go to the grocery store and take their boxes. You know? <laughs> You know, they were throwing them away. So he's like, why do I need to pay for boxes? And we would, he would stand at the co-packing plant and, and put the bottles into the boxes. Um, and that's how it, you know, that's how it initially started. And it was glass bottles. So that made it easier back then because glass is easier to pack in. But, you know, and he would load those up into his pickup and bring them home 
and put them in the garage and then start trying to get people to put them on the store shelves. Yeah. And were stores responsive to that? Because I'm just thinking about today, like hot sauce is so big. Like there's that Hot Ones YouTube, which you all were on, which I'm sure just exploded the growth because I've, I've talked to a few other folks like Karma Sauce and they just said it turned their business upside down overnight. But um, a lot's changed in 10 years around hot sauce. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was What was that like going to stores? Were, were stores responsive and... He hated it. He hated every minute of it. Um, he was like, I, I don't know what to say to them. And I'm like, well, what did you used to say at the farmer's market? And he's like, I tell people put this in your mouth. You're going to want it. You're going to want it. If, and I'm like, tell them that. And so he would go. And we had a couple of small local chains. One is a market of choice. That's, that's based. It's family owned. It's about 11 stores based out of Eugene, Oregon. They took us right away and put us on the shelf and i mean i will I, the day that they went on the shelf and you know he just stood there for probably an hour looking at his sauces on the shelf and it was they were willing to take a chance on a little company and didn't charge us slotting fees or all of those things but i'll, I'll tell you it's different now because when when scott started hot sauce in oregon in portland there really wasn't anything else and now there's two dozen hot sauce companies here in Portland, but back then there wasn't. So it was like, wow, this is new and innovative, right? And I mean, it still is, but not in the same way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And one of them, our favorite story is he went to New Seasons, which is, um, they're now in Washington and California as well, but they started here in Oregon. And he went to the back door and knocked on the back door, the delivery door, and somebody came and he said, here, I have some hot sauce I want you to try. Put this in your break room. And he gave it to them and walked away. <laughs> and he finally went back like a week or so later and was like, um, I came by and dropped off some hot sauce. And they were like, we've been trying to figure out how to get a hold of you. We want to <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. You know, but that was how, because he had no business card. Um I don't think we had a website even then. For years, we had a website that said under development. <laughs> years, years. There was no way to get a hold of him, you know? And so he would show up whenever he did a batch of sauce and try to refill the shelves. Right. And they'd be like, we've been out for 10 days. Wow. You know, so it was, it was uh, not the best process process ever <laughs> but it, but it sounds like he was right and it get it in people's mouth and yep. they'll buy and and i think that's the true like uh, having a, a great believing in your product yeah going from theirs and he would drop it off at like we've got a big food cart and have had a big food cart uh seen here in portland for a long time and, you know he would just drop a bottle off and put it on their on their condiment cart and be like here I'm gonna leave this here for people to try and you know he'd go back three or four weeks later and they'd be like how do we get more of that and it was it was a lot of that with these small restaurants and small companies and and local groceries supporting us you know and and they just it, we were fortunate that we were coming on this uh, into the system early before other hot sauces so we were so new and there really wasn't anything like us and 
and it was great. So they, you know, they put it in their mouths and they liked it. And so they put it on their shelves. Yeah. Wow. That, that's, that's, that's great. So it sounds, sounded like it was something that was uncomfortable, uh, but, th but there was some traction and then the, what was the word getting out and, and were, were sales increasing at that point in demand? They, they were, he hated sales though. He absolutely hated sales. And it was awkward for him. And he always felt so uncomfortable doing that. Um, he could be very charismatic, but he hated it. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you so just have he, to spin it that you're not selling. You're just talking. Yeah. We had this guy that contacted New Seasons, like, how do I get a hold of Secret Artwork? I just want to work for them. And uh, they finally got a hold. He finally got a hold of Scott. And Scott said to me, can you be here when this guy comes by? I kind of think he's a stalker. Um, and I said, sure, uh, have him come by, you know, when I cut off work at whatever time. And, and so I came into the house and he was here with, with Scott and I spent like 10 minutes with him and I looked at Scott and I said, nah, he's fine. He's our director of sales. Oh, wow. Currently. <laughs> He was selling, uh, Rob Metnick is our director of sales. And at the time he was selling shoes for wheelie and doing a bunch of things. So Scott put him on this crazy commission. If he sold somebody, once they bought three cases, he'd get 50 bucks. So they, they couldn't just buy one. They had to buy three cases. And so once they got three cases, he got 50 bucks. And all of a sudden Scott was like, I have no sauce. It's because Rob was selling it, wow. you know, and, wow. and he, he did such a great job and it was such a good thing for Scott not to have to do that. Yeah. Because um, yeah. he hated it. Yeah. And it, and it sounds yeah. like Rob was an evangelist and, and believer from, from just the pace <laughs> that, that, that Scott had just get in their mouth and yep. you'll have this amazing sales director that, that takes the hard things off your, some of the, the things that you don't like to do off your plate. Yeah, he's, he's, Rob's been with us. He's our longest employee. I don't count. Uh, he's our longest employee. He's been with us over 10 years. Wow. That, that's yeah. awesome. That's, that, that's really cool. Cause I think, I think part of the joy is like, you're kind of, you're building a family. Like I think with a lot of the employees and, and obviously you're, you're married and, and, but they also say that the people that you work with are, are you spend some more time than, your, your loved ones and the, the people that are, that are in your, your family, but you're also at the same time building this extended family of the people that have gotten to know you at farmer's markets or, or even just think about you. I mean, the cult following for, for secret aardvark is just, and I, I think it's, I'm thinking of, of all the, the hot sauces, like it, it's incredible. It can be really hard to point to one thing. And I think actually it's impossible, but why do you think that there's been, such a uh an interest and in, and in, in how, how do you think you've gotten so wide obviously i think you've got a nice head start and, and just a, a great vision but i'm curious if, if you've had any thoughts on, on how you've developed this special family and, and following you know people pe buyers and buyers from other countries as well as the u.s will say well why do i need another hot sauce and why and and you know i can get and I won't pick on anybody in particular, but I can get this one and it's $1.99. Yeah. Um, and I say to them, you're right, you can, but it's, it's water, salt, and vinegar. 
and a hot pepper, oftentimes a dried pepper. And we're not that, we're none of that. We are three kinds of tomatoes and carrots and onions, and it's a very different thing. And I think that's why we have such a cult following. It's not just vinegary. Look, there's a place for that. I use it too. There's a place yeah. for it. I dump it on my greens, you know. <laughs> but it's, it's a very different thing. I don't want water, salt, and vinegar and something spicy on my eggs. I want, I want something that's got more flavor than that. And I think, I think it's made hot sauce accessible to people who didn't like hot sauce because they didn't like that other flavor profile, that kind of standard flavor profile. You know, they may add a few other things to it, but you know what I mean? Probably 80% of the hot sauces you try, they're all vinegar based. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a very different profile than we are. Yeah. I mean, even the Sarabanero, the green sauce, is not vinegar-based. We don't do anything that's a vinegar-based hot sauce. I mean, maybe I will at some point. Maybe I'll come up with some fabulous vinegar-based hot sauce. But not right now. It's not, it's not, um, it's not going to be on our profile because we like those things that are really more about food. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I have people all the time saying to me, I don't like hot sauce but I love secret artwork. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I think that's so cool. And um, I, I did some st LinkedIn stalking and I know you, you have a very, uh, very impressive background within healthcare and business. And then you kind of took the leap into being uh, kind of an owner of, of the brand and, and everything that comes to that. So obviously doing trade shows and to, um, I mean, I could list 10 things that I do with my own hot sauce brand, but I'm curious, like kind of what drives you and, and excites you today, because there's so many phases that you've gone through since the, the initial thought and in, in the um, development of, of our secret of our but um, what, what, what's really driving you within your kind of inspiration and day to day when you've had these long trips and, and journeys and everything? Well, you know, it started out as a legacy business for me. Um, and you and I talked a bit about this, but uh, Scott passed away in 2009. And this was his, you know, he was also a touring musician. And uh, I often tell people one of our last conversations, he said to me, uh, don't let my legacy die. And I looked at him and I said, you're not asking me to sing, right? <laughs> and he said, uh -uh. <laughs> yeah, that's a testament to my singing, uh, and that's okay. <laughs> and I said I can keep this business running, and I can, I can make, I can keep it running, and you'll be proud of it. And I did that for a number of years. You know, I worked a day job, and I delivered sauce on my way to work, on my way home from work, on evenings and weekends. I spent my vacations doing those things. Uh, I delivered suit, sauce to Whole Foods one time in a suit because I was teaching a class and I had to be dressed appropriately. And the guy goes, wow, Secret Aardvark pays well. And I'm like, no, Secret Aardvark doesn't. I'm the owner. I got to go to a day job. Um, and so, you know, it, it really started out as I was just thought I'd have this cute little business. Running. And we kept getting bigger and bigger. And it wasn't so cute anymore. Uh, it's still cute but it wasn't so little anymore and it kept getting bigger. And, you know, we really had to take a look at where we needed to go next. We could stay right where we were and that would have been fine. Um, but what was the next step? Because it sort of felt like I was standing in front of a train. 
you know, and, and it was coming at me and I either better, I either better jump out of the way or lay down on the track and hopefully it doesn't hit. And that's kind of how it was feeling. And so we really began looking at it. And by we, I mean me and talking a lot with Rob, who was my, it was before his title even, who was working with me (laughs) and trying to figure out where we needed to go. And once we decided that we did want to try and make it grow bigger, then for me, it became, I still worked a day job. I worked a day job until 2000, I think I've been gone almost five years, four and a half years. Um, Yeah. Right. And, and it, it really became for me more than a legacy business. We made it a real business. We got an accountant. Uh, we hired a couple more people. Um, we started working with distributors. Um, we started expanding beyond Oregon and Washington, mostly just Seattle and, and Oregon kind of thing, and began expanding. And I realized what I love about this business. Not only, I, I mean, I love the product. I love putting out new products. That's probably the most fun for me is developing a new product scary as I'll get out, but because is it Scott worthy? That's what always goes through my head. Is this product going to be Scott worthy? Um, but you know, it's scary and, and that's fun though. Taking that risk is fun and putting something out there and having somebody say, Oh my gosh, I love you. And somebody saying, Oh God, that's gross. Um, I've had it happen both ways and that's perfectly okay. But it's, I love building this business and building uh, an organization that pays a living wage. Uh, I do everything they say not to do on Shark Tank. I hire people I know. <laughs> I care about my people. You know, I make decisions based upon my people and not just based upon the numbers. Um, we've been really lucky that we're cash positive. I've never had to take on an investor, so I've never had somebody have to tell me what I had to do, yeah. uh, even yeah. though I didn't feel like it met with our goals. You know, so I really love, I really love building this group of people that I care about. And, you know, we all work really hard, but we also do some fun stuff. You know, we, we put out some hot sauce. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. And, and we put out some marinades that people are like, I didn't even like jerk seasoning before. And I'm like, yeah, me neither until I started eating this, you know, and I think that's the part that's fun. And then our fans, our fans are both fun, sometimes crazy and scary, (laughs) (laughs) but they're really fun. And I love that people are so excited about eating things that are good and, you know, good for them and, and supporting that kind of a, that kind of a business. You mentioned some crazy fans. Do you do you have any like funny crazy fan stories that that come to mind? I'm sure there's there's a few of a uh, few characters out there. We we've got a lot. <laughs> uh, one of my favorites. We were a sponsor of Joe Bay Music Festival in uh, the San Juans in Washington, and we were out on the point, which we always rented the point, which is a particular spot to camp out there. I had this young guy come and we always left the point open to everybody to come hang out. And we kept chips and sauce on the table so that, you know, people can have aardvark. And he came out and he goes, aardvark, I love you. And I'm like, my typical response at a music festival is we love you too. (laughs) Uh, He said, you're Seattle's hot sauce. And I said, yeah, we are Seattle's hot sauce, but we're from Portland. 
And he's like, no, no, you're from Seattle. And I said, nope, we're from Portland. He goes, no, I know you're from Seattle. And I said, headquarters is in my house. I live in Portland. I'm pretty sure I know where we're from. And he goes, damn it, you're from Portland. Still Seattle talks. <laughs> yeah, we are. No, we've we've had some fun ones. We um had to take the address off the website because I had people show up here. Oh wow. Um mm-hmm, and and send a message. I'm outside in my car. <laughs> <laughs> that occurred when we had we had changed our label. Uh, we'd upgraded our label, you know, we'd gone a, a little less uh, kindergarten and more towards middle school. Um, <laughs> right? We'd cleaned up our recipes because uh, they were wrong, honestly. Uh, uh, the nutritional label, things were out of order. We cleaned that up. Uh, we put our non-GMO stamp on the back. And let's see, we put it in a new bottle. And I, I was in Southeast Asia but I had people messaging me that they were outside my house Whoa. because we had sold out. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. You've sold out to Heinz and I've come to talk to you. And I'm like, well, I'm in, <laughs> in La Prabang, So you're not going to be able to talk to me, but scary. That yeah. was really scary. Wow. People were really upset and, um, and there were some threats and I was like, and you've been eating this exact sauce for nine months when we changed from an ingredient that we did that we found wasn't as clean as we wanted to something cleaner. So it was, it was just people have a lot of passion around a hot sauce that they love, yeah. and it can be a little scary. So yeah, my address is no longer on the website. Uh, that's that's that's, a, that's <laughs> a fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, one, one thing, uh, like, can I? as we wrap up, I try to kind of give some advice to to people and maybe some advice that they don't know that they might need right now. And I think um, in today's world, there are so many pressures around growing bigger and and getting richer and going on to the next thing. And, and, And I've actually experienced this in my day job, which is venture capital. There's when we report to somebody else, we were more money, more bigger sales. And, and I think with that pressure comes um, pressure to trade off on, on values. And I'm not saying this at all about my current employer, because I think we've done a good job, but, but it's challenging and and difficult. And, and, And I know you've all had, and I think it's a lot because of Scott's legacy and, and thinking what would Scott do um, that has helped you keep the kind of the vision on, on the North Star and, and, and thinking about what, what matters most. But do you have any kind of advice towards people as they find success as to, to how do you kind of stay true to, to who you are and, and um, kind of any other advice for folks that are, are growing businesses and, and find that there can be really challenging times. And I think the entrepreneurial journey is it's, it's not the easiest path, but I think it can be really fulfilling. It's not only is it not easy, but you're working without a net most of the time. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty scary for most people. I usually tell people a couple of things and, and one is working for yourself isn't for everyone. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people out there that say they want to, but when you really begin discussing with them, the fact that you are working without a net and you could lose everything, 
um, uh, and there's nobody to bail you out, you know, you realize they realize that's not them. And that's okay. That's perfectly okay. We need all kinds of people and all kinds of skill sets. And I'm really glad not everybody is willing to take those kind of risks because we need some stability out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not that entrepreneurs can't be stable, but um, <laughs> then that businesses, um, I always tell people, and this is not something that a lot of them want to hear because they don't like this. Do the math. Yeah. Do the math. Do your due diligence and do the math. And if you're looking at this big company has come to us and wants us, you know, they're saying, oh, we'll go through 22 truckloads a year with you. Well, if your margins are only 3% and freight goes up, yeah. do the math. Yeah. You know, yeah. 22 truckloads is an awful lot. Um, and you could potentially be losing money on those 22 truckloads. And can you sustain that? And is it worth that? So, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be hard math. It's not algebra or, or trigonometry or anything like that or calculus, but do the math and really look at it and see what is it, what does it take to pay off? And I think that's hard because you get, I have a sauce that I love that I so want to put out. I love this sauce so much. I make it for us. I make it for friends, but it's going to retail at about 11 bucks. Do the math. Mm -hmm. Who's going to buy an $11? I mean, it's really good, but it's, is it that good? You know, and who's going to buy it? And maybe we'll end up running it and running it just out of our website, but do the math on that. You know, I love this sauce so much, but I'm not, I can't sell it for that. Yeah. And so it's, it's sometimes that's the hard decision is doing that math yep. and then believing it. I, I did the math this past week when somebody was asking me what, what's my uh, real, t uh, my, my markup on my craft hot sauce club. And I was like, you know what? This is for the good of people and good thing that I don't have that many subscribers because I'm not, digging myself in, in that far in a hole. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that, that's something that I think is su such great advice just because not always um, being busy, you might be busy going in the wrong direction, um, even though that, easy. yeah. Yeah, easy to do that, really easy. Um, it's like this one sauce, it's a, it's a Thai inspired sauce and I love it so much, but it's, I can't make the map you know, come out and I, I have payroll to make. I mean, that's the truth of it, right? I have payroll to make and you can't afford to sell a sauce at a, to get it down to the price range I need to. I need to, I need to sell it like 35% below what I'm making it for. You can't do that. Yeah. So you got to do the math, yeah. you know. Awesome. Great advice. Great advice. Um, and, and then kind of one last uh thing I want to ask that I, that I just thought was, was, was so funny that, uh, and, and as I've learned more about kind of your journey and, and Scott, I, I, I did kind of want to just share for the audience. Can you share kind of what Scott's vision was, is for kind of, uh, there was something I read in an article, uh, that was very quite humorous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Scott, Scott was, uh, <laughs> had a really great sense of humor um and was one of the things that i loved so much about him he was funny and he was and he was absolutely happy to do things to make me laugh he would do the snoopy dance for me <laughs> in the middle of new york 
didn't even care, you know, whatever it took, he always did. So he said he hoped that um, one day his dream was to have a guy in an aardvark costume running down Hollywood Boulevard with his dick hanging out. That's the <laughs> one you're looking for, isn't it? <laughs> um, yes, yes, yeah. you, you got me. And, and, and has it come true yet? yet? Who knows? But. Not yet. We, have, <laughs> um, <laughs> we were doing uh, a couple of different runs, and one of them is in San Francisco, and it's called, I can't even forget the name of it. Anyway, it's clothing optional. Um, and I was like, well, this would be the perfect place to have that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but we've talked about it and we've talked about making that, that appendage a part of the actual costume, you know, um, <laughs> so that we don't like get thrown in jail. Beta breakers is the one we were doing the clothing optional in San Francisco. And I was like, this would be perfect right here. We could get somebody to do that. But like I say, I think, I think, uh, if we did that, we might, Maybe we'll make it one with Velcro. You can take it on and off. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, well, CJ, well, I can't thank you enough for kind of sharing the story, and, and I really appreciate it. And 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 one thing that I, I do want people to know is just like where they can find you. And obviously, like you're, I think over a thousand stores, multiple countries. So. I don't think they have to look as far as some other um, folks on the podcast, but um, if they're interested and it sounds like you're at a lot of trade shows is the best way to kind of hear what's going on with your website and social media. So the very, because we are growing so fast, uh, you know, first quarter is supposed to be slow. It has not been for us this year. Uh, it's been crazy fast this year. Um, the best way to do that is to go to our website, secretartvark.com, and there's a locator on there. You can put your zip in, and Jen, who is our project wizard, is, is putting those new stores in just as fast as she can. Um, but we just, you know, when you add a chain and you add three or 400 stores, it's a little bit of time to do that. Uh, but yeah. The locator is <laughs> a great way to a great way to do that. And then of course, multiple, multiple, uh, websites will have us as well. You know, I won't, I won't plug any of them in particular, but you can find us all over the place. So we're still, we still have lots of room to grow and lots of places. We're not, we're not in Southern California. How, it, how does that happen? It's not Southern California. Uh, is, is there is there a Portland SoCal? I I said I was just talking to uh, Greg from Inferno Farms earlier today, who had wonderful things and said that you're all an inspiration. But there is kind of that pocket down there, and and, and I've talked to Salaji Sauce, Hoss Sauce, um, obviously you now, and I, I think I'm actually going to try to get out to the Portland Hot Sauce Expo because I I heard that Greg was calling out New York saying that Portland was going to bring it more than New York this year. So I think I got to be there and be uh, on the, the, uh, the jury for that. I think I'll actually be there. Rob usually works that one. Um, and usually I'm doing another festival. We've done Blueza Palooza. This will be our second year in Mammoth. And, but I don't think they're on the same weekend this year. So I'll actually I don't know if I'll come out and work it or just come out and, and get in the fray of hot sauce tasting. Yeah, you know, that would be way more fun. Maybe I'll yeah. give Rob a break, you know. Um, 
but yeah, it's, I hear it's really, really fun. I have talked to a number of people that said it, that, that have traveled to a number of hot sauce festivals and say it's the most fun. So um, I don't know for myself, but I'll take a look. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, Stacey, thank you. I really want to say thank you so much for this. I, I really, truly do appreciate it. And um, I guess, like, uh, as we wrap up, any uh, kind of last thoughts or, or, or final uh, kind of words on, on the podcast? But uh, Yeah, no, I just, I think that people, you know, people will still say to me, why, why would people buy this? Why, why is it different? Why is it important? And that's usually when I really like step back and think into my, uh, why is this important? And, and what am I trying to do with this? And I think trying not to lose sight of that, because man, there's a lot of people out there that say a bunch of crap that just, you know, brings you down. But it, mm. to other people who are thinking, I've got this great, whatever recipe I want to do, um, you know, don't, don't, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Really keep your eye on it and, and figure out who you are. And don't be afraid to evolve. We're a whole different company than we were 10 years ago, a whole different company. And who knows what we'll be in another 10 years, right? We could be something even crazier. That was my conversation with Stacey Moritz of Secret Aardvark. Thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day. It's not summer anymore The way your grandma's tea sets shattered All across the kitchen floor The dried blood in the bottles Speak of things we do not say There are a thousand roads of summer I hope you find your way It's one of the reasons I so loved you Your little bit in but I say that with compassion Cause we're a lot the same But it's not the fun kind of crazy It's something violent, cold and gray there are a thousand roads of summer I hope you found your way
Marathon daydream Thoughts of what the years will bring You marry a rich investment banker And I become a king Maybe I'll come to visit But I promise I won't stay There are a thousand roads this summer I hope you find your way I hope you find your way Tell by the way the leaves are scattered